All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Well, a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, Oilers Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook. We appreciate you uh, joining us. Of course, uh, Oilers fans... Close, but the Edmonton Orders will uh, settle for a tie for the second longest winning streak in NHL history. Still pretty impressive. A lot of fun for Oilers fans. As what did Connor McDavid say after the game? You kind of forget how much you hate to lose when you go 50 days without losing. And uh, that happens. Thing is, I actually thought the Orders played better in the game last night than they did in some of the victories. They they did not get overwhelmed by Vegas in that game. I, I don't think they made you know ghastly errors. Overall, mistakes are going to happen both ways. Vegas was able to score on two shots. Edmonton scored on one. They got the lead. It was shorthanded goal. You think things are good. They had some chances. They hit a few goal posts, but it was not meant to be. So a day off today. And uh, they will then uh, get into uh, Anaheim and, of course, uh, take on the Ducks. And I think the key now for the Edmonton Orders is to ensure, because the Orders have essentially been, you know, a streak team. You win 16, you lose three. You win eight, you lose three. You win three, you lose three. That's what they've been for a while, which is, it's always good when the uh, the streaks are uh, as long as they have been win-wise for the Edmonton Orders. But I look at it now and say, okay, if you're the Edmonton Orders, you lost the game, now keep it at a one-game loss. And then you get back on track, and away you go. Right? That's going to be the key. Because the Edmonton Orders, the last time that they've lost just one game in a row, 
How about not all season? It's true. They lost their first two games. Then they won. Then they lost their next four games. Then they won a game. Then they lost four. Won three. Lost three. Won eight. Lost three. Won 16. And now I've lost one. So I think the key for the orders is, for the first time all season, keep this as one game loss. Get a win. In a perfect world, they get back on a winning streak. Great. But uh, L.A.'s got a new coach. Second half of back-to-back. That won't be an easy game on Saturday. Definitely a winnable game. It's not like I don't think L.A. is grossly better than the Edmonton Oilers. But I think that's going to be their focus now. The, the great part about the streak, and I will argue and debate anybody who suggests the streak was meaningless. How can you say the streak was meaningless? It didn't mean anything. What? First of all, record books, last I checked, why do you know what Gretzky's record is for most points in a season? Longest point streak. Longest goal streak. Go down the list. Of course they matter. It doesn't have any, matter doesn't mean it has to matter to the Stanley Cup. But even if you want to connect it to the playoffs, guess what? Had the orders not won 16 in a row, they wouldn't be in the position they are in right now in the Pacific Division. They're not, they're not sitting at home, feet up, comfortable, but they put themselves in a good spot, right? They're still three points up on LA. They're actually uh, five points up on St. Louis for the final playoff spot, and they have three games in hand. They put themselves in a good position that they're most likely not going to have to scratch and claw their way to get to the postseason. There will probably be a battle for home ice advantage. But the order's winning streak has put them in a position where they shouldn't have to scrape and claw just to get in. So that's a good thing. But I, I will argue to anybody, oh, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Game last night. Now they're seven back at Vegas. They still have five games in hand. But had they won, they'd have been three back with five games in hand. You don't think that one game mattered? Of course it mattered. So just unfortunate for the orders, they didn't get the win. 833-401-1440 is the text line. It is the Gregor Show, as always, presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where uh, you can get in the game. And uh, if you want to have a little bit of fun, uh, the upcoming Super Bowl, man, they got lots of prop bets, baby. Tons of prop bets. And uh, if you like lottery, $42 million. Up for grabs tonight in the gold ball jackpot for Lotto 649. Uh, nobody won the Max Million last night. It's up to 55. So get all your tickets at playalberta.ca. We have an outstanding show for you today. Quite excited about it. Of course, uh, we will have Luke Wilson joining us, a former NFLer, a TSN analyst. Uh, we'll stop by. We'll, we'll talk a little uh, Super Bowl. Uh, who do you like? And like, and I, I'll admit it, when I think of the Chiefs, I still probably undervalue how good they are defensively. They've been a very good defense all year long. And when you look at that's been the strength of their team. In in a weird way, it's kind of like watching the Edmonton Orders right now. Edmonton Orders defensively didn't lose the game last night. You give up two goals, you should win the game most of the time. It's actually been their offensive finish 
that has been less consistent in the winning streak. Hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been as consistent as their defense. 15 consecutive games where they've allowed uh, two or fewer goals with a goalie in net. I know last night's the empty netter, fine. But think about it. They only allowed two goals with a goalie in net. Again, that's a good sign for a team that for years, arguably decades, was not considered a sound defensive team. That doesn't mean you don't make mistakes here or there. You just look at the overall numbers. When you're giving up a few goals as the orders have, you're going to have a pretty good chance of success. And that's kind of where the Chiefs are now. It's crazy. So we'll talk to Luke Wilson about that. Uh, Tyler Remchuk uh, will be by. Also, uh, who is it Wednesday? Today. I... Uh, I like that our, our guests, uh, we, we run the gamut uh, for different type of guests. Uh, I think that's important. I think it's fun. And uh, our uh, our guest today has, uh, has won a championship. He is, uh, this guy is a pretty good athlete. Played uh, Division One in one sport. Has played uh, AAA in another sport. Has played collegiate in another sport. And obviously, he's now playing pro in one of those sports. Also, now, if anybody can guess based on this hint, I'll be very excited. He was a skateboarder for over a decade. Which, when you find out who it is, you're probably going to be like, huh, that might make it even more impressive. So, uh, there you go. That's our uh, Who Is It uh, Wednesday guest coming up at uh, 3 o'clock today. Uh, also, we will have Mark Spector, uh, Mike Rupp, our weekly uh, Wednesday guest, uh, Paul Sir, talk a little uh, basketball. We got the uh, ski report. A little bit more of the white stuff is coming. So, uh, so that's great news. So, uh, lots and lots going on. As always, you can uh, text us 833-401-1440. Boys, the streak was awesome. They played well, so it hurts a little less. I agree they can't go on a losing streak. They have some games in Febs against teams they should beat, and they need to win them. The others will be tight games. Doug. Well, Doug, keep in mind the Edmonton owners are 11-0 and in their last 11 games against teams who are bottom 10 teams in the National Hockey League. They, uh, and they're 9-2 and against middle-tier teams. And they're 4-2 and against top 10 teams. The, the orders have uh, – they are not the team – no one needs to repeat it. And by the way, no team. The orders have won 11 in a row against bottom 10 teams. No other teams undefeated. Most of the other teams have lost two or three games. Like you look at Vegas's losses at home this year. Ottawa, non-playoff team, bottom 10. Calgary, non-playoff team, bottom 10. Chicago, non-playoff team, bottom 10. Buffalo, non-playoff team, bottom 10. Visiting teams have only won seven of 26 games, but four of them are bottom 10 teams. I'm telling you, nobody wins every game. The orders are going to lose one. I don't know when, but eventually they will lose another game against a bottom feeder team. It doesn't mean you should freak out. Nobody wins all their games against the bottom 10 teams. Right? There's no guarantee they're going to beat the Ducks. They've beaten the Ducks for fun as of late. If I was putting any uh, shekels on it, would I go for the orders? Yes. But it's not a guarantee. And uh, the only other bottom, well, they have Minnesota and Calgary who are currently uh, bottom 10 teams. Although they're right on the cusp. You know what? They win three or four. They might all of a sudden be 20th or 19th, so they'd be in the middle tier. The uh, top 10 teams the orders face the rest of the month, they have Dallas, 
on the road, Boston at home. That's it. So, yeah, they, they've got a, a fairly favorable schedule. But you still got to win those games. There, There's nothing that's an easy game. Uh, maybe Chicago most times, but none that I would say are 100% uh, easy. Hey, Greg's on the second goal. Can you explain what CeCe and Fogel are doing? Who's more at fault? The puck carrier who uh, Fogel went to was skating in the corner. Should have he stayed with the man in front who actually scored? Well, Mike, the game happens so quickly, right? Like, when you watch it in slow motion, it really doesn't do it justice. You make a quick decision, and once you move one way, you're done, right? You're pocket in. To me, Cody Cece, when he comes back in front of the net, if he just stops in the shooting lane, he probably blocks the shot. Right, like look at how many shots Vegas blocked. So, you know, behind the net, no one really had possession of the puck. Right? You're you're gonna have scrambly plays, the puck bounce around, guy gets a stick on it, you're going for it. It's a fifty fifty battle, it happens. So I, I would look in in an ideal world, I think if CeCe stops, he's probably in the shooting lane. Because look at er, on the power play earlier, Nugent Hopkins. And you don't see it until you see the replay. Remember Nugent Hopkins on that power play? He gets the pass. It was intended for Hyman. It goes over Hyman. Comes to Nugent Hopkins. He's in a low slot. And then he misses the net. You're like, how the hell is he missing the net from there? When you watch the replay, the Vegas guy, as he's going in the lane, where's the puck hit him? Just on the outside, just enough. Just kind of nicks him. And then it goes wide of the net. So had CeCe stopped, then maybe I think uh, he could uh, have got a, a piece of that one. Who knows? So. Boys, biggest credits to Aiden Hill. Played like he wanted to reassure everyone that he is for real and could beat the orders again. Jason LaDuke. Yeah, Aiden Hill was good. But Bouchard hit a goalpost. David hit a crossbar. Leon Drysaddle missed the net on a one-timer that hasn't beat. And that one-timer from Drysaddle, that was the play that Kevin Woodley talked about. It was exactly the play. Get moving side to side higher on Hill, and you got a chance to beat him more. And if you look, if Drysaddle hits the net... When, when Hill's coming across, the puck's past him before he gets there. Edmonton had their chances. They didn't finish. Their offense, and it's been something that Chris Knobloch has, you know, he's hinted at a little bit. I don't think their offense still consistently is where they want it to be based on the chances they create. So it's a good problem because they're still creating the chances. But uh, you'd like a little bit, a little bit better finish. Boys, the 32 points, what about that? Anybody says it doesn't matter, I'd say it's worth it from Terry. Terry, I would agree wholeheartedly, 100% at all. Hey, guys, are you concerned at all with Leon's play last night? Puts these big boy pants on. Body language and effort seem to be off compared to the rest of the team. From Inspector Trav. Leon Dreisettle's talked about it. Um, and it's funny, I actually have talked to a, to a few people about the German culture a little bit. Like, Leon Dreisettle doesn't hide his emotions well. So he's being authentic. Some would say, hey, I don't like it. I get it. It's different. It's kind of who he is. is. Is he trying to change a little bit? Sure. I thought, hey, Dreisettle, you know, nice pass on the first goal. He, uh, I, now, some would argue that he got tripped in the neutral zone that led to the second goal, if they call that then maybe it doesn't matter. Um, if, if you're talking about when they pulled the goalie, him and Bouchard late, yeah, it's not ideal. But I, I wasn't that concerned. Can Drysaddle play better than he played last night? Yes. And I think he's done that. 
for a lot of games. So um, I, I'm not going to get too worked up about uh, about one game because when overall game, I still thought Edmonton uh, played better. Gregor, what were your thoughts on Bouchard's game last night? Well, it wasn't his best game. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, but Evan Bouchard's been really good this year. Last night wasn't his best game. Is it coming off a break? Maybe. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't his best game. But he's had way more good games than bad games. So, and, and here's the thing. I know what Evan Bouchard excels at. There's going to be times when he's going to make a play defensively that you're not going to like. And he's going to infuriate you. But here's the thing. If you focus more on that play than all the good plays he makes, it's not good evaluation. Right? He makes a lot of good play. Would You know what? Would I like him to rip it there with two and a half minutes left when the goalie pulled? Sure. Right? But more often than not, he makes the right decision in the offensive zone. Right? I don't really worry about Bouchard offensively. Defensively, it's not his natural instincts to be a great hard defender. I think he's taken strides. I think he's improved. But to me, it's, it's almost, point. I can't believe Evan Bouchard isn't dominant defensively. Well, why? He's, he's never going to be. Right? It's like asking third line. I can't believe this guy's in scoring more. Right? Certain guys don't have offensive finish. Some guys aren't great defensively. But Evan Bouchard's an elite offensive defenseman. He's an elite offensive puck mover. And he's decent. He's not a train wreck in his own zone. So I, I will say this. It wasn't his best game. Right? Uh, the numbers back it up. But if he has one of those games every 20 games, fine. Honestly, I think he'd be doing cartwheels. I, I haven't seen games like that from, from Bouchard very often. And really, there hasn't been a lot of guys during the streak like that. So I'm not, uh, I can't get too uh, uptight about it at all. So, hey, boys, time to sit Brown, play Gagne. He's done nothing. Rusty, it's hard to argue, man. Now, I know the coach is going to look and say, hey, our penalty kill is great, which it was again last night. And Brown's probably more effective on the penalty kill than he is on five on five, which likely explains why he's not doing a bunch five on five. But. You do wonder at some point, does the two minutes of penalty kill time make up for the fact that there's just nothing really happening? Like, is he ever a threat offensively at five on five? I get that he's he's not a he's not a liability defensively, but is he ever making you think, oh yeah, he had a few games where he almost scored, but that's setting the bar pretty low. Well, he almost scored a few games, guys, so hey. You know, it's 47 games. I know he's missed a few. So what has he played? 45? Whatever the number is. It's not good enough. Flat out. It's not good enough. So. Hey, boys, I really like that line of Holloway, McLeod, and Perry. At Vegas, pinning their own end a long time. Should be a great third line going forward. Matthew, Matthew, you know what? I thought, arguably, that was their best line start to finish five on five last night. They didn't get rewarded with any goals, but, man, they created some good chances. And you're right, they they were a handful for Vegas. And that's what you should want. That's what you want from your third line, no question. And that's why I still say, like what if I it, it would be a great question. So I'm gonna ask this and we're gonna go to break. So I'm gonna give you option A, B, C, or D. And you can rank them in order of importance. Keep in mind who are the options available. There's a few guys that are probably gonna be available to be had as right wingers, as a second line right winger. 
that have been proven more productive historically than Warren Fogle. And so if Warren Fogle moves down to your third line, I think your third line's great. That means Corey Perry's on your fourth line? Even better. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not a bad thing at all. It just means your, your depth, you put guys down the line. Look at, hey, Vegas's fourth line was pretty solid for them. Pretty important in the playoffs. It matters. So second line right winger, considering the options available. An upgrade on Cody Cece. I've made my case. I'm not sold on Carrier or or uh, the guy in Philadelphia. His name escapes me right now. Um, t- was Sean, uh, whatever the hell his name is. Walker. Yeah, that's it. Sean Walker. So um, I don't know. Tanev, 100%. If you can get him. So you have the top pair right. You have the second line right winger. You have a fourth line center. And then I guess a number seven defenseman, because I think you'll need one of those. I think you'll need a veteran D. I think I think we're all going to – I'm going to take them out because everybody's going to put that as the fourth most important option. I'd be curious how you'd rank the other three. And keep in mind, it has to be not which one you think is the most important, which one you th- you would like to get that you think is realistic. That's kind of the twist. How would you rank them? A, being the second line winger. B, being the uh, – uh, right defenseman, and C being the uh, fourth line center. ABC, how would you rank them and why? 833-401-1440. Quick break. Uh, when we return, Luke Wilson will join us in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 226, welcome back. How are you? Oh, hey, by the way, big shout-out to uh, Ryan yesterday, our uh, auction. Item. They, uh, they went back and forth, ended up at $2,750, $2,750 for the uh, Blind Man Brewing package yesterday all helping out our uh boyle street community so uh kudos to ryan i like it and uh blind man for uh, offering up should be a lot of fun speaking of fun many of you will have fun this weekend leading up to the uh super bowl super bowl 58 the chiefs and the 49ers who uh were in the super bowl head-to-head a few years ago saw the chiefs win We'll try to go 2-0 against the 49ers as we get to the uh, NFL report. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Stay warm all winter at LegacyHeating.ca. A former NFLer, a great analyst, uh, wraps up all the uh, football action. Uh, You see him often on uh, TSN. Luke Wilson joins us. Luke, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Luke, I I do have to ask you, because when I think of the Chiefs, I, I still have a hard time wrapping it in my head around the fact that it's arguably their defense that's the best element of their game. And I say that with respect to Mahomes and Kelsey and everything, but if you look at the amount of points that they've given up this year defensively, it's been really impressive. And they shut down Lamar Jackson last weekend. Do you look at the Chiefs and be like, okay, like their defense, or do you still have a hard time being like, yeah, like it's, I think the Chiefs' defense is their strength? You know, I... I it's definitely different, you know, than in the past, but it is one of their strengths for sure. And uh, they got their hands full this week. You know, this Niners offense has a lot of weapons and they have a lot of ways to attack you. But uh, I think that this Chiefs team, and I, I'm specifically talking about how they've played in the playoffs alone. Yeah. Okay, not their regular season. is the most balanced we've ever seen a Kansas City Chiefs team. And you said, like, the defense has played incredibly well. 
The run game has been physical and explosive at times when it needs to be. Patrick Mahomes has been electric in moments where he needs to be, and he's been a little more conservative and let's call it tactical in other moments. They have zero interceptions. You know, he's thrown zero interceptions. The defense shut down the run when they needed to against Baltimore. Now, you can make the argument that Baltimore also abandoned the run. But they stymied early on Miami's explosive offense, and they did enough, you know, to beat the Bills. That was kind of their one moment where the Bills, I thought, were able to get a few things going um, against this defense via the run game, which they cleared up the next week. So, again, it's uh, it's definitely a very, very balanced team. They can run the football. They, you know, had some issues throwing it during the year, but certainly that's gone away in the playoffs. And the defense has been stout almost week in and week out. So you look at the matchups, and obviously, Luke, you do a great job of, you know, there's a lot of one-on-one matchups that are very key in any game. And now you get to the Super Bowl, and they're even more important. I want to, you know, the Thune injury on the O-line for the Chiefs. Tell me how you think, how much of an impact that could have on this game. It could potentially be a huge ordeal. It, it helps that Mahomes is a veteran guy. And why I say that is generally when you have a younger quarterback, your center helps, you know, ID the Mike linebacker in the run game and also can change or manipulate protection where, you know, with Thune in there, he's obviously got a ton of experience. He's going to be able to do that with Patrick Mahomes without him in there. I'm not saying, you know, they, they can't do it, but Mahomes will have to kind of just double check, make sure pre-snap he's got the line pointed in the right direction. If it's a pass, you know, if he thinks a blitz is coming, if he wants him to slide a certain way, and also in the run game, he's going to need to be on the check. So, again, it, it's a big ordeal because that position is really, you know, after the quarterback is the guy who has to think the most. So looking at, you know, the, the, uh, the defense of the Chiefs, and, uh, you know, you've talked about how much better it is, and it's been consistent all year long, no question. Um, the, no, the Brock Purdy effect. Um, obviously, I would strongly disagree with with Cam Newton. I, by the way, side note, I love Brock Purdy's uh, response to Cam Newton. I thought it was great. But, when, you know, younger quarterbacks, Luke, the big stage is still different. And this guy's been amazing, but he's not Pat Mahomes yet. If you're the Chiefs defense, what are you doing? And, like, other than just the obvious try to get pressure, can, do you think you can disguise things? Can you stunt that much to confuse him? And if so, how would you go about it defensively? So if I'm the Chiefs and Steve Spagnolo, the first thing I'm doing is stop the run. Stop the run. Stop the run. And, and this isn't a shot at Brock Purdy because this is a Kyle Shanahan offense. Okay, You look at what this guy wants to do, r- regardless of who his quarterback is. You know, He wants to run the football, a lot of zone running plays, and they want to build off of that. You know, they have guys like Kittle and, and the fullback Kyle Juszczyk where these guys can also go catch the football, especially Kittle when I talk about those two. But they're very athletic players. So they can keep the same formation and run downhill football, you know, with CMC as your back. And then a couple plays later, mirror everything up and run a dynamic play action that goes to IU for 15, 20 yards, you know, goes to Kittle or – is the ball somehow now in Debo's hands? So the key to stopping this offense with Brock Purdy, who, like you said, has been incredible. I don't care what anyone says. The guy's been incredible this year. Mm-hmm. 
um, is stopping the run first. So trying to make the offense one-dimensional. And then the next thing that I'll say is as far as stunting or, or anything like that, um, if, if you can stop the run, which is a huge if, Purdy, <laughs> most of his throws have actually been down the field. You know, there's a stat going on out here that in the last 40 seasons, there's been five guys who have averaged more than nine yards per attempt. Purdy is number one in those five at 9.6. Side note, which is not going to happen, but the next four all won NFL MVP that season. Okay, so I, I sit here and I think to myself, you know, if I'm Spags and I can stop this run game, now we need to make sure they're not pushing the ball down the field. So, again, I'm not saying it's necessarily a weakness of Brock Purdy, but what I would try and force him to do is take short throws underneath. Short throws underneath, short throws underneath. Make them drive the field that way. Something that Kyle Shanahan does not want to do. That's not how his offense is built. They're not a dink it around offense. They're a run the ball and take shots or, you know, push the ball down the field style offense. So, again, I know we're getting really into football terms here, but to me it's stop the run. They love to play, speaking of the Chiefs, and their number one league in split safeties to have help over the top or anything deep down the sidelines. And it's like, try and make this team, you know, nickel and dime you down the field and wait for a mistake. You mentioned stop the run, and obviously it's easier than said than done, especially when it's McCaffrey, who's, I think, the best running back in the game. So when you watch tape on McCaffrey – like obviously you you can't uh, you know you, your D line has to not allow big holes number one but is there any other way Luke that you find that that teams can have success in limiting a run on an elite back like McCaffrey? So the best way and what makes McCaffrey so great to me is that he's not a one dimensional back and what I mean by that is if you look at certain NFL running backs. A lot of them will be, let's call it speed guys. So, hey, they're going to stretch, you know, the defense, put their foot in the ground, have an explosive movement, and they simply win by speed. And there's other guys that it's a very physical running style. You know, if you don't come and make a great form tackle, they're going to be able to shed that because they're so powerful and get a few extra yards at least. Where McCaffrey can do both of those things. And it's a rare combo. McCaffrey can sit there and be your, hey, we're running outside. I've got a ton of speed. I put my foot in the ground, and I just hit a 70-yard home run. Hmm. But he oftentimes is also the guy that's running right up the A-gap and lowering his shoulder and trying to just create a cloud of dust and put some pain on a defender. So the best way to stop this guy, and again, it's very, very hard to do, especially with this offensive line, but is to get penetration. And you've got to have a D lineman or, you know, potentially a blitzing linebacker that can basically get penetration. Even if he doesn't make the play, it can at least make McCaffrey shuffle his feet, you know, so that he doesn't have this huge head of steam going. So he eliminates the big speed that he potentially would have while he's hitting the last scrimmage. And also if you're going side to side, it's very hard to be powerful then. So, again, I think the key to stopping this run game is having, you know, could be Chris Jones playing that in, inside a bit, could be whomever, getting some penetration and trying to just delay McCaffrey from being able to, you know, really turn it up. Luke Wilson joins us, uh, analyst on TSN, of course, former NFL tight end, uh, breaking down uh, Super Bowl 58. Uh, let's throw it to the other defense then. you got Patrick Mahomes. 
You got Travis Kelsey. Everybody knows who, who wants to be his main target. It doesn't mean it's easy to take away. But so how did, how would you game plan to try to slow down the Chiefs? So that that's a tough one. Um again, both teams have a lot of options offensively. Um first and foremost, I think that this year I talked about the Chiefs being balanced. But I, I think the weakest part of this offense is going to be consistently throwing the football. Okay. So I would use the same answer. Like the the big star and an unsung hero has been outside of Mahomes, obviously, has been Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, he's been just the most consistent guy for this team, I feel like, the whole year while he's been healthy. So I would try and eliminate that as much as I can. And the Niners have struggled against the run the last few weeks. That's an understatement. You know, Aaron Jones ran all over this team. And pretty much anyone who touched the ball as a running back on the Lions just absolutely annihilated this defense. So you got to figure out a way to slow down Pacheco. That would be item one for me. And then item two is handling Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, and how they do that, I'm very, very interested to see because – Right now, the Niners are predominantly a zone team. Obviously, they can play man, but it's not what they really live in. They like playing zone defense. Well, the Mahomes-Kelsey connection, especially against zone defense, is incredible. So I doubt that they're just going to line up and play their regular zone coverages because Mahomes and Kelsey have such a good feel for that, being able to adjust and even adapt within the route, that I think that's a bit of a gamble. So do you kind of bracket Kelsey? Do you potentially put a DB and play him in man, et cetera? It's a great question, and it's a tough, tough decision for Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator. But my thing, if I'm Steve Wilkes right now, is I'm preaching, let's stop a Checo and try and make someone else beat us outside of Travis Kelsey. So if that's Rasheed Rice, you know, you live with that. If it's, MVS on a big play, I think you live with that. But right now, as far as weapons go, I think that they have less weapons the Chiefs do than the Niners as far as, you know, big time playmakers. So uh I'm coming out here and I've got a, a bulletin board saying stop this run game in Pacheco and and minimalize Kelsey and let's see what the Chiefs can do. Luke Wilson uh, joins us. Luke, you played the tight end position, so I think you can talk about it uh, very well. When you look at Kelsey, many think he's maybe the greatest tight end ever, and it's hard to argue that he isn't. When, when you watch his position, like, we, we, we just said here, game plan, okay, this is how you try to take him away, but no one's really been able to do it successfully at all. You know, he, he for his standards, he had a little bit slower part of the season early on, and people thought, oh, you know, he's getting old, or maybe he was in love, and I think both were a little premature. Not that he's not in love, but that uh, that, that was impacting his play. Um, what is it about him? Like, is it, is it is it route running? Is it how he gets off the ball? When you watch him, what separates him from the other tight ends? Like, why is he so much more successful? So, and it's funny, how many times you watch this guy and you think to yourself, how is Travis Kelsey wide open? <laughs> Yeah, And I think part of that, there's a lot of reasons for this, but let's start with, I, we just talked about him against zone coverage. So if you're watching this game and you want to see something that's pretty unique and Travis is the best at it, is he really seems to understand and have a feel for what the def- defenses are trying to do zone coverage wise. And he also seems, at least it looks like to me, that he understands the coverage, you know, rules of the defenders and the concept in which he's running his route in. 
So you talk about details, right? Well, I come up to the line of scrimmage, I'm Travis Kelsey, and I notice it's zone coverage. He's able to feel out, okay, this guy, let's say it's a, I've got an out route. Okay, 10 yards, and that's going to be, I'm going to sit in this zone. Well, perhaps based on the zone coverage, there's a defender, you know, well inside, it's going to push to the out route. So what you'll see Kelsey do is come off the ball with, let's call it tempo, so he's not full speed. And he's also not going to run directly straight. He's really going to kind of have like this almost flow-like rhythm to him where he pushes at the defender, which will cause that zone defender to almost freeze his feet. He can't just run over to his zone because he's got to respect something else. And then that tempo I was talking with allows everything to clear out, out over the top of him and gives him a bigger spot in the window that he eventually wants to go to. And again, when you have these details like this, that then you need a quarterback who's on the exact same page as you, which him and Mahomes clearly are. So he does a ton of just minute details in his route running in zone coverage that is for a lot of the success he's currently getting. But now let's go to man because it's like, okay, well, what about man coverage? He's a freak athlete, and he's huge. So you put a linebacker on him, he's going to win that matchup more times than not. You put a safety on him. That's still a matchup that you're going to like. You know, He's a big body, can catch, he can run, he's got a lot of wiggle. So it's tough to play the guy in man. So then the next question is, okay, well, what if we put a true you know, defensive back, meaning like a corner on him? Well, most corners are – you know, a little lighter. So now all of a sudden, even though you have a guy that can run with him, you know, and potentially be a better athlete than him, at the top of his routes, he's going to give up, you know, 40 pounds and probably a couple inches of height. But Travis will just sit there and, and be very physical and use his body, almost become a bit of a basketball player and win that matchup as well. So that's partially why it, you know, not partially, there's a lot of reasons why he's become the greatest pass-catching tight end in the history of our game, is because it's somewhat of a pick-your-poison. He's athletic enough to win in man coverage against linebackers and safeties. He's too big for a lot of corners to cover in man coverage, and he's got an incredible, incredible feel and understanding of how to beat zone coverage. So you, you combine that, and, and that's why you see the consistent year-in, year-out numbers that he's gotten. Luca, one last one for you. Um, I'm pretty sure that you played like a triple a hockey growing up at the, some stages of your career before eventually you went into football. So obviously a very good athlete. Um, what was your best skill set on the ice? Oh, that's a great, uh, that's a great question right there. I would say, I'm not sure if this is a skill set or just a style of play, <laughs> but I was about uh six, five in ninth grade. Okay. So I was a pretty played forward. I was a pretty big dump and chase guy, Yeah. you know, um, Fired in the corner and at, again, being whatever you are, 15 years old at 6'5", 230, let's call it, just skating as hard as you can trying to drill someone, uh, usually worked well in my favor. Um, and then I'd say garbage goals, you know, yeah. wasn't the prettiest guy out there, not the greatest skater, but again, being a bit large helped me out and just kind of uh, hanging around the net, maybe poking a few rebounds in here and there. That would probably be the, uh, which I know is not saying much, but probably the best thing I did on the ice. Do you uh, do you play any shinny hockey ever? Uh, I did this weekend um, at a in Toronto. It was kind of a, a very cool event, um, the HDA Winterfest, which was again a couple NHLers, a couple 
local, uh, you know, news people were on there. It was, it was pretty special to get back out there. I will say, and I know you guys will be very familiar. Here's a fun fact, but I was, uh, on the same triple a team, my midget minor year, Zach Cassian. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Zach's pretty popular in your neck of the woods. Uh, we actually went to the same high school, which I think is, was always kind of a fun fact was, uh, he's a year younger than me, but kind of wild that a, a, a high school in LaSalle, Ontario, uh, would have, you know, two guys that went on to be pretty successful in different sports. And, uh, at one point we're playing for teams when he was on Vancouver and I was in Seattle that were, you know, two and a half hours away. I love it. Luke, uh, quick, who's winning? Super Bowl, who are you taking? I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I don't feel great about it. I think it you know, could go either way, but I have a hard time betting against um, Mahomes. So, yeah, uh, and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, it's fair. I love it, Luke. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. That is uh, Luke Wilson, uh, former tight end, uh, ace football analyst on TSN. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get to the oil report with your Chuck on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 2.50, welcome back. Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, Orders Nation, YouTube and uh, Facebook. Hope you're having yourself uh, an awesome day. It's time now for the uh, oil report brought to you by VolvoCarsEdmonton.com as they just won their 13th Excellence Award in uh, new sales and customer service. Uh, they make a lot of sales. They are the number one uh, Volvo dealership in Canada but uh, most of their awards come from their sales and how they treat you, not only when you buy the car, but all the years that you own the vehicle. That's important. VolvoCarsEdmonton.com. So we uh, welcome to the show from uh, Orders Nation and the uh, DFO Rundown. Uh, Tyler Remchuk joins us. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, Gregs. The winning streak is over. It's sad, but hey, the sun came up today, Oilers fans. Yeah, no, it's true. It, uh, you know, it's funny. I thought the Oilers actually played better in that game that they lost and some of the wins they'd had, uh, prior to the, to the break. They, you know, and if you look at all the data, they, they outchanced them. They outshot them. They had way more shot attempts. Uh, Aiden Hill was good. Um, I, I still didn't love, like, I thought Edmonton missed the net on some of their best chances, in fact. So, you know, it's funny. Their offense, even before the break, uh, their coach hinted at it, he thought it was stale. It's funny that when you watch orders right now, they look way more comfortable defensively than they do offensively. It's, it is weird, right? It's a total flip of what we're kind of used to with this team from years past. And it kind of makes me wonder. We've talked about this during this Wednesday hit. I know you and Frank have talked about it on the DFL rundown, what they could do at the deadline, but it's no longer just been kind of like a week of the offense looking stale. You can go back to the early parts of January when they were winning low scoring games against like the Canadians and the Red Wings. And it's like, okay, their offense isn't exactly humming the way we thought it would from the beginning of the season. Maybe you do need to look at going and getting a high powered right winger to give this top six a bit of a jolt. Well, it's definitely, you know, we asked the question earlier. So if you had to rank it, looking at who we think is available, and, uh, you know, a second-line right-winger, uh, you know, a possible upgrade for CeCe or a fourth-line center, right? I think those are probably the three. We know they're going to probably try to get, like, a number seven D-man, and I think that's probably the easiest one to find and really won't be needed if there's injuries. But, you know, I, I think there's an argument you could make one that, you know, the, the second-line right-wing, you could argue. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In-store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. You might be in need more of an upgrade. And it might be the spot where there's the most quality available. Like I think you could sit there and we've done it and you've done it probably countless times on your show. You're probably sick of it. Oh, is Sean Walker an upgrade? Is Chris Tanev an upgrade? Whether you believe they are or aren't, they aren't slam dunk fits in this Oilers system and slam dunk fits for what the Oilers need. But when you look at that right wing market, if Jake Gensel becomes available, that is an unbelievable fit. And a guy who doesn't become available every single trade deadline. If Tyler Toffoli becomes available, that's another really interesting one. Travis Konechny in Philly, that would be a guy with term that I think would be really interesting. Even a check down option like a Vladimir Tarasenko, who's apparently on the block in Ottawa. That could be really interesting. Like I think treating that second line right wing spot as your biggest need might be the smart play just because there's more value available in that position. Yeah, and the, and the cost might be less, um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, the other one, and, and, and this would be, you know, it, it's, there's uncertainty to it because he's never really done it. But I was looking at his numbers against elite players this year. They're actually quite good. I wonder if the orders would try DeHarnay in CeCe's spot here. Like Vincent DeHarnay's confidence with the puck right now is is massive. You've never seen him make like that play he made to Evander Kane last night. You're just like, what's going on here? Like you never really used to see that from him, well, ever. And so, you know, I just wonder if if that's an option for them. I get that it's you know it's a slippery slope. Nurse and CC have played a ton together. I get all of that, but I just I wonder if that's something that we we see here uh, at some point before the playoffs. Yeah, and there's a part of me that sees the hesitancy to mess with the D pairings just because in part due to health, in part due to results, mm-hmm. these D pairings basically stayed the same since Matthias Ekholm came over at last year's deadline. So I get it, but I don't think you're going to do any sort of irreversible damage to the chemistry on any of these pairings by just sitting there and saying, hey, for a two or three game stretch, let's yeah. mix it up a little bit. You know, you guys have been playing with each other for a year. Let's try a new challenge. Let's try a new blend and 
I mean, who knows with DeHarnay? He surprised the Oilers and Oilers fans once already in his career just by going from a late, late round pick, one of the last guys picking his draft class, to an NHLer. That in itself is like a minor miracle when you look at the way the draft usually goes. So why not push him again and see if he can take another step forward? It's worth finding out before you go and trade a first round pick for a rental on the blue line. Yeah, it's it's just an, uh, the more I watch him, I look and say, hey, you know what? Because uh, to me, Cody Cece is a fine NHL player. I don't, you know, it's not. But you know what? It's at times, you know, has he struggled uh, with his, with his puck handling? Yes, he has. I don't think that's a, a false statement by any stretch. Um, and so, rather than overpay, because really outside of Chris Tanev, I'm not sure I see a blatant, clear, obvious upgrade overall on Cody Cece, right? The, you might get a guy who's a better puck mover, but is he a better defender? Is he going to, you know, when he's smaller guy with no playoff experience, is that really what I'm doing? Like, I don't know if that's what I'd want to do for me personally. Um, Chris Tanev, I can make the argument for, but, you know, other than him, I'm not sure I see one. So maybe you try Vincent DeHarnay and maybe you, you have the internal answer there without even knowing it. Yeah, and I, I mean, hey, if DeHarnay slides up into the lineup and it works and for the next three weeks, him and Nurse are a good pairing and you think you can trust them as we'll call it your second pairing because Ekholm and Bouchard is your top pairing, then maybe you get to the deadline and it's like, okay, you know, if we move out CC and go with a cheaper option on the third pairing, we've now freed up some money and now you have more money to spend on the forward group and maybe there's that little bit of a trickle-down effect to the rest of your deadline plans. Yeah, the, the only risk about that is like I was looking at like I saw the orders, they moved Barry, but they got Ekholm, which was an upgrade as far as a defender goes. There's no question about that on um, the type of the defender that they needed. And, you know, to, to move a CC out, because then what happens on March 10th, you get an injury. Now you're like, oh, my God, now we got, you know, now we got a guy who's played first pair for you know, our top four pair for 10 games and another guy in our third pair. Now we're, you know what, we don't, now we only got one guy who's a top four. So I, I think they might try to switch and just see if it works. Because then you kind of, and if you have to go back to Cody Cece, I don't think that him and Darnell Nurse, if they don't play together for three weeks or a month, are suddenly going to forget how to play together. No, and that's exactly what I was saying. You're not going to do any sort of irreversible damage. And yeah, whenever we talk about, or I talk about moving out of Cody Cece or even doing the play that I know Frank has suggested a couple times of, hey, maybe you move on from Kulak and you just try to trust Philip Broberg in that third pairing left D spot. Anytime I talk about that, it's with the caveat of you can only do that if you also have like the backdoor deal for a Nick Sealer or a very good veteran seventh defenseman. Like you can't just totally lose mm-hmm. the depth. But if DeHarnay works in this scenario, Kulak and CeCe is probably too expensive of a third pairing, a bit of a luxury maybe the Oilers can't afford. You would probably be forced to check down on one of those just to fill holes elsewhere. Tyler Ramchuk joins us. Ty, uh, the Oilers have not lost one game in a row all season. When they lose, it's either been two, three, or four in a row. They've never just lost one and found a way to get a win uh, the next game. And it's the Anaheim Ducks. I know it's a team they've dominated, but I look at the orders now, and to me, that's the that's the next thing. They've had all these big winning streaks are great, but now they've got to get to the point where if they have a loss, which inevitably is going to happen, they can't let it turn into a losing streak, which they have at every other occasion this year. Yeah, and it's weird because, again, 16 in a row, you think, hey, that should have built them up a little bit of good grace or whatever with the fan base. But if you don't go take care of business on Friday, all of a sudden you're going into the Crypto.com Arena in L.A. against a Kings team who's playing under their new head coach for the first time coming out of the break on Saturday. You know that Kings team's going to be especially fired up to beat you just the same way Vegas was last night. There's a weird amount of pressure on Friday night against the Anaheim Ducks. Even though it's Anaheim, I think, like you said, this group needs to prove that, hey, 
yeah, the winning streak was great and okay, tough loss on uh, on Tuesday night. But we're not going to let it snowball the way they quite frankly let it snowball after their first eight game winning streak. And then boom, bing, bing, bing. They lost three in a row. And we were back to asking the same questions that we were before that heater back in December. So I do think, again, it's weird because it's a game against Anaheim, but there's a little bit of pressure in that matchup on Friday night. Yeah, I uh, you're going Pickard on Friday, right? And Skinner on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's got to be a no-brainer. And hey, listen, it's not like one of those back-to-backs where sometimes they say, hey, always start your number one guy in the first game, even if it's a, in air quotes, bad uh, opponent. I know there's no true bad matchups in the NHL, but I get maybe going with Skinner and saying, hey, let's make sure we get these two points in the bank. But no, that game on Saturday is big. You you would want to kick the LA Kings when you're down, and you, that's a four-point swing. They're still within range of you in the Pacific Division. So yeah, you go Pickard on Friday night, Skinner Saturday. Ty, have a good one, my man. We'll uh, chat with you tomorrow. Thanks, Rick. There you go. That's uh, Tyler Remchuk from uh, Orders Nation and, of course, uh, dailyfaceoff.com. Uh, coming up, we will get to uh, Who Is It Wednesday. Very uh, going to have a lot of fun with this guest. I think this is going to be a, very, a wide range of topics. Uh, multi-sport athlete, even a skateboarder for many years. I'm not at the professional level, but still. Uh, when, if you skateboard for 10 years... I think uh, I think you could say you're you're a boarder, right? Uh, pretty good gamer, right? Uh, has uh, you know has won a national championship, uh, played multiple sports, and uh, now a professional athlete just in one of them. If you know who it is, eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley, sports fourteen forty update brought to you by bie engineering specializing in all your residential commercial and industrial structural engineering needs go to bieeng.com that's the sound of another sale on shopify in store shopify pos is everything you need to sell in person from payments to inventory shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23.